Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. And with me, as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is... It's Monday. I've got Friday. It's Monday. It's Monday, January 23rd. And today, Chris, our listeners are getting 50% more for their uh, for their payment. Uh, we're going to try and t- cover three topics today. Most of them are centering around Warren Buffett, but we're going to start off with a couple of new deals of his. Uh, then we'll go to his praise of Trump's cabinet. And then if we have time, we're going to talk about another kind of correct market call by him from early last year. So I hope our listeners appreciate the bonus content. Let's start with the deals. Uh, he announced kind of two deals over the weekend. Now, you know, these are $10 billion deals. Well, one was a $10 billion, one was much smaller. But, you know, for most people, a $10 billion deal would be this massive needle mover. But for him, it was kind of a yawner. But over the weekend, he announced a $10 billion deal to take uh, some kind of liability off of insurance giant AIG's hand. Uh, AIG is going to pay Berkshire $10 billion. And in exchange, Berkshire will be on the hook for as much as $20 billion in workers' comp and other insurance payouts over the next day. I think it... I think it's over the next 20 years is what I remember. It'll probably pay out faster than that. And then the second one was a bolt-on for his Precision Cast Parts subsidiary. Uh, he bought Precision Cast Parts for $37 billion last year. Uh, yesterday, he announced the deal to buy a German family-held pipe company to kind of be a bolt-on. We don't know the size. It was probably a couple hundred million or so, if I had to guess. But we kind of just wanted to mention that one because a couple weeks ago, we talked about his reverse Yankee. So we wanted to follow up and say, hey, it looks like he really might be active in the Eurozone. So Chris... German uh, precision cast su- subsidy bolt on AIG reinsurance deal. What do you think? The overall risk reward, if you just look at the broad arithmetic around the deal with AIG, looks like a bonanza for Berkshire. It looks like a terrific risk reward. And that even leaves plenty of room for AIG underwriting errors or mischief or sloppiness or what have you. I mean, I think that uh, he's so big and it's such a small deal relative to Berkshire overall. My guess is he never even mentioned it to his wife when he got home, (laughs) but he certainly had a conversation about it with Jane and that was probably an awesome conversation and they probably got a terrific deal out of it. I would guess Ajit's the one who actually sourced it. The the conversation probably went in the other direction, but, but there was probably a bit of a back and forth and they probably played a game with how bad could this be can we keep up with a decent rate of return anyways what is it probably and how much upside do you have and just the ratio of risk reward here looks great for Berkshire and it looks like AIG was just doing something overall to manage the book yeah so look your first indication that Berkshire probably did a pretty good deal here is I believe AIG said hey we're going to take a two or a two and a half billion dollar write-off on this so when you say oh that company's writing off two and a half billion dollars to get 20 billion dollars of liability off the book you're probably like Berkshire probably drove a pretty hard bargain. Yep. Your second indication is, look, Warren Buffett does not do deals that he thinks is going to kind of – he doesn't do deals that he thinks he's going to have to spend money for just to get float. You know, AIG is giving him $10 billion. So he gets to invest that $10 billion while he waits to pay this out. Some people would actually say, hey, you should you should expect to pay out a little bit more than you're getting. You should write that a loss just so you get that float. Warren Buffett does not do that. So you can bet he's probably getting to invest this and make some profit on the underwriting deal. And then, you know, I think your third indication that this might be uh, advantageous is this is a very complex deal, a lot of capital and a complex reinsurance deal covering a lot of different things. Uh, You know, I think the reinsurance sector has a lot of capital in it, but Warren Buffett is known he makes, specifically Ajit actually, they make uh, very complex deals that a lot of people, a lot of other people don't want to do because of their lumpiness, because they might look bad optically for earnings. They don't care about that. They want to maximize earnings. And I think 
AIG might have like smoothed out their earnings at an economic cost. Warren Buffett might have made his earnings a little bit lumpier, but he might have got economic profit from it. So that's kind of my thoughts. I think in some ways it could be an efficient market trade with one side getting the economics and the other side getting the impression accounting and optics that they want out of it and you know i will say for aig's point it's very easy to hate on them two billion dollar write-off warren buffett probably took advantage of you but every company needs to be judged kind of how the market's judging them Mm -hmm. in, in their own context and in aig's case i think a lot of people are saying hey uh, this lets they've got a massively complex book. This lets them simplify. This lets them take some capital back. They trade. I believe they still trade well under book value. So if they get capital back that they can redeploy elsewhere or use to retire shares at a big discount, no then it can make sense. So it, it can make sense for all sides. Uh, let's see. So we talked about that. The German acquisition. You want to talk about? I think Buffett wants to do a lot more in Germany. I think he has yet to shake shake loose one of the big families. I think he'd like to do a Pritzker like deal uh, in Germany with one of the big and uh, a private Pritzker, companies. the the big, the big Chicago, Chicago yep, family yep, yep, that just... he bought Marmot from. Um, I think that. Uh, uh, we have a technical difficulty with a fax coming in. I think that was our last fax we've had in the last five years. It happens was a during, shutdown, yep. during our, so Andrew uh, uh, took uh, uh, executive action and shut that down. So if you send us a fax, sorry, please send it later. Um, also, uh, you know, this wasn't a big enough deal to kind of merit a lot of details, but it was a little addition to persistent cast parts. We were persistent cast parts shareholders uh, and a uh, little tuck and deal for that. Yeah, look, we mentioned on the Reverse Yankee podcast where Warren Buffett uh, raised some euro bonds. We thought it might be a way for him to get some euros, take advantage of a very strong dollar to go buy in the eurozone where valuations are cheaper, where the the strong dollar lets you buy uh, buy European companies a little bit cheaper. And hey, putting a bolt on, Precision Cast Parts has been built on accretive bolt-ons. I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Want to wrap it up there and turn sure. over to Trump's cabinet? Yeah, so look. It wouldn't be a podcast for us at this point if we didn't mention Donald Trump. We're Mm -hmm. kind of required to do it. But on Friday, Warren Buffett, he was out. He's actually got a new kind of documentary on his life coming out on HBO. They were at the premiere. Uh, The photos from the premiere were kind of funny because they were selling lots of C's candy to the people who were uh, watching the movies. But people were interviewing him. And I thought it was really interesting. He said, look, I overwhelmingly support Donald Trump's cabinet nominees. And I think if you think back to uh, the election, he was very strongly in favor of Hillary Clinton from the very beginning. He had some pretty harsh words to say about Donald Trump. So just wanted to get your thoughts on his support of Trump's cabinet. Uh, well, first of all, we're Time Warner uh, shareholders, so definitely everybody should subscribe to HBO. Uh, make sure you pay full price. Um, and I can't pay more than to, full price if you want. You can tip, too. We take tips. Uh, <laughs> but I think that uh, it's going to be – I can't wait to see the documentary. It looks like it's going to be fascinating. Um, one of the things I think is a real sign of Buffett's intellectual honesty is it's always very interesting to me. And I always perk up when you hear statements against interest. You know, So much of what people say in terms of tactics, if this individual is good or bad, they're doing something good or bad, is just – consistent with their philosophical outlook anyways this person i voted for everybody works for them is great he seems to be very fluid about saying things like i was for hillary but i actually kind of like trump's cabinet picks and i think that that's a really good sign of him as an investor and just as a thinker no 100 percent agree though you know the i can't help but wonder and i think buffett is especially at this point in his career, very much a political animal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he hated on uh, Donald Trump a lot during the election. By saying this, you, you kind of set the stage, hey, Donald, you're doing a great choice. I think he compared him as a CEO picking um, kind of his unit heads. If he's garnering some political goodwill, though, you know, a lot of these picks are former bankers at the high level. They're billionaires and everything. I'm sure Buffett knows them in a personal capacity. So I tend to agree with you that he is actually being intellectually honest here. I was just 
throwing out the political angle. Yeah, and then just one little addition to yeah. that I'd say is that um, I listened to uh, some of the testimony in front of the Senate for the Senate process of vetting these picks, and it was interesting to me how much independence they seemed to have saying things that were not specifically consistent with Trump policies, that were consistent with things that they believe and have said in the past. So I think that these are going to be powerful cabinet members and advisors and people who, if there's some level of comfort with them, should feel a uh, some level of optimism about the public policy that they might be able to push forward. Yeah, look, yeah, I agree with you. You a, a lot of I remember there were some direct quotes where they said, "Hey, Donald Trump has said this, do you agree?" and they they were pretty much like, "No." Yeah. And people asked Trump about it and he was like, "Hey, I I want them to speak their own opinion," which, you know, that, that to me goes with a good CEO. You you've hired a manager to manage a business, manage a segment, you expect them to know more than it about you. Uh, now, if you guys disagree, you probably need to have a talk, but generally you want to be able to trust their judgment. And if you can't trust that, then you should probably fire them mm-hmm. and find someone else. If you do trust that, if they if they want to do something that you don't think they should do, you've got to trust them or fire them. So I, I think that's good managerial practices. Uh, anything else here? You want to turn to our bonus topic? Bonus topic. Bonus topic. And we've got plenty of time. We've been moving right through it. So uh, bonus topic, speaking of Warren Buffett, knowing other billionaires, we wanted to talk a little bit about Carl Icahn. Uh, on our August 4th podcast, we talked uh, bearish billionaires. And actually, I think that's our most listened to podcast of all time. But we talked about bearish billionaires. And kind of the headliner was Carl Icahn was net short 150% of the market. So, you know, for every dollar he had invested, he had sold short a dollar and fifty in stocks. Uh, betting stocks would go down. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've talked a, a lot of stuff on this podcast. Some of it has been very wrong. I mean, obviously, I get teased all the time about our, Donald, our early Donald Trump predict, predictions. But I, I think we were pretty skeptical of Carl Icahn there. Uh, you know, we mentioned, hey, he was hugely bearish right at the start of the 90s bull market. I think we were very skeptical of anyone's ability to predict uh, what the market was going to do. And we weren't the only ones skeptical. As I was looking up for this podcast, uh, I actually found a lot of quotes from Buffett saying, hey, and especially April around his annual meeting, say, hey, I know Carl Icahn saying, be scared, or I think the quote was, a reckoning is coming. And Buffett was saying, don't worry, the long term looks great. Don't try to short term time these markets. And Carl Icahn just released his two, the 2016 returns for his hedge fund, and it was not pretty. Uh, his fund was down 20% in 2016. This is on the heels of a, about an 18% loss in 2015. And it's kind of ironic because, you know, he made all this press where when Donald Trump got elected, he was at the Donald Trump uh, after party for the election. And he said pretty famously, hey, I left at 2 a.m. to go buy, I think the quote is billions of dollars worth of stocks. When stocks were kind of panicking on the, oh, my God, Donald Trump just got elected thing. And uh, that, that's been a very successful trade. I think stocks are kind of up 20% since that panic. That panic. Uh, but his funds, despite that great trade that he was kind of self-hawking, his funds were down 8% in Q4. 20% for the year, 8% in Q4. Not a great year. And obviously, these big short positions had a lot to do with it. So I just wanted to turn it over to you for thoughts. I'd like to present some alternative facts. Not only was that the most listened to of <laughs> our podcast, that was actually the most listened to podcasts ever of anybody's podcast millions millions of listeners um and also to further some (laughs) additional alternative facts i'd like to say that i'd like to focus on our skepticism of carl icon and kind of put under the rug any skepticism that anybody speaking on this podcast including you or others might have uh, might have mentioned in the last year or a half uh, but uh, specifically it's interesting um, I think that Icon has done extremely well with some of his above the fold famous calls at a time when 
sizing and selection process, uh, the rest of his portfolio has really underperformed. I believe for a few years, he's underperformed Bill Ackman, for example, at a time when Bill Ackman had very famous problems in his top of the fold uh, 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 positions, but others uh, uh, had uh, had uh, other successes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get kind of attached to these individual ideas that aren't very um, dispositive of how things are going. Um, I uh, am a skeptic of macro forecasting, also known as soothsaying. I think it's mostly a waste of time. Um, but every once in a while, you know, it's interesting to listen to. Certainly, it's it's helpful for the media. Uh, people always will ask you soothsaying type questions. Um, I think it's done much better by people who agree that it's largely a waste of time, such as a few of the Buffett calls. I'd even throw out a President Obama market call. You know, you people who don't think of themselves as soothsayers, sometimes their casual tiptoeing into macro calls can be really good. The people that are really comfortable with these calls of uh, of, of where the markets are going and they rather believe that they can do it. Uh, Carl Icahn's Day of Reckoning. Um, uh, Dennis Gartman, somebody who constantly has these views of where the markets are going next. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm more of a skeptic of the people who are less skeptical about the activity, I'd say. Yeah, I, I guess there's a, a couple of things. So on the above the fold thing, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to an activist once, and they they had an activist position in a stock, and the stock did horrifically, horrifically. And I was talking to them, and I was like, uh, you know, talking about the position, and everything, and they're like, listen, this position was two percent of our fund, right? But it was a very kind of high profile battle and all this sort of stuff that did horrifically. And they're like, our funds have performed very well mm-hmm. but because we were so tied to this call like people people think completely the wrong thing about our fund our style everything and they were just saying you know it's they were kind of complaining but it's just so interesting how when you're so when you're public on something people kind of just associate with you with that and don't act, might not actually associate you with the performance you know in Carl Icahn's case people a lot of people I think associate him with the Herbalife battle with Bill Ackman which that's actually gone quite well for him but that might be the only thing in his portfolio that's really performed well. But people kind of think of that and think he should be having a great, great performance when maybe he's not. Uh, anything else there? Or, Interesting yeah. to see the anti-Trump Buffett uh, gaining on his victory, a pro-Trump icon with a role in this upcoming uh, government, really a struggling uh, despite the same. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about anything. We've got about thirty seconds, but we can wrap it up here. I can't believe we got through all our bonus topics so quickly. We kind of, we kind of, you keep me on task better than I am uh, alone. So uh, one of the many things I'm grateful for. Uh, <laughs> I have some disclosure, so we could talk about that. Yeah. Well, I, I think I hate to say it, but you're going to be the host for the next podcast, so you'll have to keep me on task. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we'll just make it up by having a thirty or forty minute podcast then. But yeah, let's wrap it up there. That's all the time we have for today. Before we hit the disclosures, just a quick reminder if you like this podcast please be sure to follow and rate us on itunes stitcher or audio boom uh disclosures chris i'm long a little bit of time warner and then uh, i'll listen to your disclosures long a little berkshire was long a little precision cast parts although that's not relevant anymore long a little time warner short a little icon okay great uh icon is iep, IEP. yep great okay so that's all the time we have for today and we will talk to you guys later this week